Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to teach your servants. And I'm asking, Father God, that there will be the spirit of revelation and understanding, insight granted into your word. I thank you, Lord, because I'm anointed to teach and your people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. And I pray today that there will be supernatural impartation and transformation in their ministries. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I decree, Father God, that life's ministries will be transformed. Lord, I pray for grace. I pray for understanding. I pray for insights in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Say loud, Amen. Alright, let's I want to talk to you this morning on what I call one thing is needful. One thing is needful. One thing is needful. When you are a minister of the gospel, you must understand that you have been called into a very serious responsibility. You have been set apart for a curse that the Lord had supernaturally called you when he was talking about the high priestly ministry in the book of Hebrews. It says that no man takes this honor unto himself, but he that is called from among men and for men. Praise God. It says no man take this honor. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's do Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 1. Hebrews 4. 1. Sorry, 5. Hebrews 5. Am I right? For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in things relating to God. The first thing you must recognize is that if the Lord has called you into the ministry, is that you are chosen. It should run in your consciousness. Not with a sense of superiority, but almost with a sense of fear and trembling that God has chosen me to act on his behalf regarding men and the things that pertain to God. So it gives you your job description. It tells you the sphere of your influence. 
He says to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. You know, of course, this is contextually talking about Aaron. But he is chosen from among men. What I want you to pick here is this. There is no grace gift that will function on this earth that was not picked from among men. So there must be a reason. If I come to this place today and I say, oh, I want someone to help me. Oh, pastor this, help me. Pastor that, help me. There must be a reason why I chose you. But then Paul now tells us that not many who are noble. He says not many who are wise. He says not many who are wise according to the flesh. So we understand that it is not because of, you see, and, and I want you to, I want you to, to listen very carefully to what I'm, what I'm processing by the Spirit because I believe that our ministry is about to get into the next level and we must pay attention to details. You see, it is important for you to understand that when you have been chosen, you don't stand on the pulpit and try to boast about why you are a pastor. You know why? Because the reason God chose us is because of His mercy and His grace. And a minister must always be conscious of that. Because by the time you are chosen and you're standing here and teaching people every day and ditching out the word of God and people start honoring you and people start respecting you, the tendency is for you to think, well, it's because I went to school. Well, it's because I read. Well, it's because I did this. Well, and on, on unknown to us, we start boasting about things we should count as dung for the excellency of the knowledge of God. And even for some of us, we begin to teach those things as how we can position ourselves so God can use us. And the first question you need to ask yourself is, how did you position yourself when you were chosen? Especially in this our age and time, we must be careful of pride in any form. Are you following what I'm talking about? I was discussing with Apostle Brandon yesterday. And we were just looking at this generation. How loud we are. And you know what? We were talking, we said, listen. I mean, we're talking to ourselves. We said, listen. We're so loud. It looks like we're doing a lot. And we said, look at our age mates. All of us that we know. None of us is pastoring 1,000 members. None of us. Our churches is less than 100. The highest is maybe 200 and 300. Yet we are everywhere. Taking cities for God. But taking cities for God. And in your village, no one knows you. The pride of life. We can't call a meeting and 300 people will gather. We cannot. And yet... We are God's general. God's man of power for the hour. 
And yet, without social media, people like Archbishop Benson in the house were packing stadiums full. Without internet. Without television. If we don't correct ourselves, we will self-destruct. And that's why I'm teaching you, that's why I'm teaching this morning on one thing is needful. We need to find that thing. One thing is needful in ministry. Which sometimes when we come for ministers meeting like this, we need to tell ourselves the hard truth. Are we doing enough? Are we actually being fruitful and being faithful? Write those two words down. Fruitful and faithful. Faithful should come before fruitful. Are we being faithful to the assignment? Are we being fruitful in the assignments? So write that word down. Am I being faithful to the assignment? And I am I being what? Fruitful in the assignment. Am I being faithful in the assignment? And am I being what? Fruitful in the assignment. Faithfulness is consistency. Fruitfulness is expansion. And be careful not to, be careful not to say one is not as important as the other. We cannot put expansion over consistency. And at the same time, we cannot say because we are consistent, that's why we're not expanding. We've got to be faithful in the assignment and we have to be fruitful in the assignment. Faithful to the assignment and what? Fruitful to the assignment. So you hear Paul says, I have not failed to declare to you the whole counsel of God. What's that? Faithfulness. And what was the fruitfulness in his assignment? Raising of Timothy? Raising of Titus? He says, the things you have heard of me, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Planting churches, writing letters. How many of you realize two third of the New Testament was written by Paul? And he wrote those, he wrote those letters from prison. So it means he wrote those letters from a place of faithfulness. He didn't write those letters when they were, con- when he was comfortable. Most of us know, apart from the newer books that is writing, 65% of the books that dad wrote, he wrote them whilst we were still at the other place where we just started. And at a point, we, we had to get a doctor, one of his friends, Dr. Sagas, to always treat his arms because of the constant writing with Biro. He's got pains on his arms. That is faithfulness to the assignment. Your faithfulness is not a product of your condition. Your faithfulness is a product of your conviction. Are you convinced that God sent you to that village? Are you convinced that God sent you to that city? Are you convinced that God sent you to plant that church? Then it doesn't matter who shows up, you stay faithful. Because your faithfulness is based on your conviction, not your circumstances. Not your conditions. Because the latest Paul wrote, he wrote them from prison. 
But we have a lot of people who only want to be faithful in nice places. Why? Because we have changed the definition of ministry. So in fact, if I send you and I say, Hey, pastor, uh, we have a church in the village and i like you to go there and take that church. The first question is, what have I done wrong? Right? Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Even your wife, if you were, were about to get married, and they say, oh, I just got my posting later. To where? To a village. I say, no, 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 no. I didn't go to all this education so I can stay in the village. <laughs> I won't be able to open my business in the village. Why? There's no light there. And then you even hear people say, you know, just, just be in the village for a while. We'll, we'll try and open a space in the city. We'll, we'll, we'll look for somewhere to push you later. We'll, we'll push you somewhere. Because to us, when we go to the city, we've been promoted. Now, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. How, why did people like David Livingstone, Mary Slessor, and all those missionaries come to Africa knowing that there was no cure for malaria? Why? Why? It was because they were convinced of the assignment, not the conditions of the assignment. Why did Adoniram Johnson and City Stored and the, the Oxford Seven, why did they leave, uh, I mean, graduated from Oxford, sold all their stuff and went into missions? Why did they start China Inland Missions? Why did Tia Osborne at the age of 18 and his wife Daisy, age of 19 and his wife Daisy at the age of 18, why did they go to India? Why did Daddy leave his lecturing job to, to plant this church? And you see the reason why we get offended when certain things are not done for us in ministry? Because the truth of the matter is we didn't get into ministry because we were convinced of our assignment. We didn't get into ministry because he chose us. We got into ministry because it looks appealing. Even though we don't want to agree, but that is exactly what it is. We like the honor. We like the, the, we like the, the, like my sister would say, the red carpets. Right. We, we love the red carpets. We love the paparazzi around ministry. We love the daddy. We, you know, Jesus said it in, Jesus said it in the gospels. He says they love to be hailed by men. They love the phallic trees. The, you know, the suits, the shoes, the lightings. Unconsciously in our heart, that's the very motivation in ministry. Even though we say, well, we could have done something else. We could have really, why? It shows when the conditions are not the way we really want them to be. We were chosen. I did a two hours interview with dad. We're going to show it on television, on ministry. And there was something that pointed out. You know what said? Hebrews 5.1, guys. You know what Paul said? Paul says, I was apprehended. Think, think deeply on that word. What does it mean to be apprehended? What does it mean to be apprehended? To be arrested. Have you been arrested for this course? Have you been arrested for this course? Do you realize you were chosen from among men? 
That many other people, God could have chosen them, but he chose you because he believes in you. Every day as the Lord opened my eye, I, I, it's almost like I go into the pulpit weeping and say, God, why me? Not because it's like you see the divine privilege to be a minister of the gospel. And you don't take it lightly. Not so men can run around you. Not so you can build something in your name. The more of God you encounter, the more humble you become. The more God opens doors for you. The more you will be so like God. How did this happen? It's like when the songwriter says, Who am I that you are mindful of me? If you see any man who is increasing in ministry, as it were, and he's not humble, and he's still full of pride, he lacks one thing. And that's what we're going to find. That's what we're going to find. And then the next question we need to ask ourselves, are we being fruitful in that assignment? Are we being fruitful? Are you making progress? No king likes stagnation. Are you making progress? Or you're comfortable with being in one place? Is your heart for increase? Are the people under you maturing? Are they growing in Christ? Are they getting stronger? You know, one of the dad was 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 in church. I think last couple of months he came, and I have four guys, about ten folks in our church that I'm discipling. Uh, I spend one one month, one Friday every month with them, just discipling, sharing with them, and um, we call them the service team members. And one of them met me the other day. He says, Pastor. I'm helping young couples. I'm trying to help their marriages now. And thank you so much for teaching me and all that. And I said, oh, it's fine. And he was talking. I was saying, well, I'm going to get some young couples together. I will just come to the church and I'll have you minister to them and just teach them and just give us counsel. and all. I said, that's fine. You know, that's fruitfulness in ministry when the people you have taught can take what you have taught them and they begin to reach other people that you can't even reach. That's fruitfulness. What you have heard of me. Commit to faithful men. Look at that word again. Who can teach others. How many people in our local churches. Can actually go somewhere. And birth something. Praise God. Are you still here? Are you, are you learning something? Talk to me. Are you learning something? Are you making progress? Why are we comfortable with stagnancy in ministry? Why? You know the reason we're comfortable with stagnancy in ministry? It comes back. Guys, put this thing in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1. It comes back to that word. We have not recognized the divine privilege that we were appointed. How many of you realize that when a minister is chosen, a minister is chosen in, in the government... After two years, he's not performing. What do we say? Take him out. Why? Because your appointment means that we can trust you to produce what? Produce fruits. Saints, 
This is not a joke. Ministry is not a joke. It's hard labor. It's hard work. Fruitfulness. Increase. In your assignments. You know, most of us as ministers have lost the sense of accountability that we are actually going to give account of our stewardship. Whatever your theology is, whether on the last day or on the first day or in the middle of the day, whatever day, you will be held accountable. God will actually literally ask us, what did you do with your call? Paul wrote and said, say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry you received of the Lord, that you fulfill it. He had to write to him. He had to single him out in the congregation. He says, when this later get there, remember to tell Archippus that the man, there's something in his life and he's got to fulfill it. Listen, this has absolutely nothing to do with who your general overseer is. This has absolutely nothing to do with who your church administrator is. This has absolutely nothing to do with the ministry you're working. The fact that God called you and appointed you into the ministry, there is a level of faithfulness and a level of progress that the Lord wants you to have. And this is between you and God. It's between you and God. And as time permits, we're going to go there. I'm not just talking about five-fold pastors. All of you that are called into whatever form of ministry that are seated here, singing, uh, whatever. This message applies to you. Ministry of helps. It applies to you. That you were chosen. My, my, our last girl, Zara, she sings. She's, she's, got that ears for music and I told my wife I said let's buy her a keyboard and get her a keyboard teacher and that while I'm interested in the fact that she goes to school and study I'm also interested in the fact that God has given her these gifts and I told my wife I said we have the responsibility to nurture it I said because this might be the gift that it's her key to bless the world. She might go to all the universities in the world. Because one day I just sat down. I mean, she goes to choir practice with my wife. And then she's coming back and she's singing the songs. Are you following that? And then myself and my son, we are of the same species. We don't sing the song. We actually say them like a poem. And I just realized that, listen, even though I've been in the choir... Even though I've stayed in the choir for years until I was driven out because I couldn't stay on key. You just realize that this ability to sing, not everybody has it. It's a divine privilege. Listen, not everybody can sing. It's amazing. It came to me as a revelation after 30 something plus years that this thing is an appointment. Send, send me to voice school, send me to vocal school, I'll still come out as bad as anything else. Scripture says to you, it is given. So we must recognize that that's a divine appointment. 
That's a divine privilege. Are you following what I'm saying? And then what do we do as the parents? We pay attention to it. We steward it. Are you following what I'm saying? We begin to process it. It's the same thing with your call. It's a divine privilege. Don't let it die. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy. He says, son, stir up the gifts that's in you. That came upon you by the laying on of hands. Some of you used to move in the healing ministry. When last did you lay hands on the sick? That's gone. That's gone. No time to develop that gift anymore. You're busy with other things. Let's get there. Go with me to Luke, um, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 10. I believe that if everybody understood what I, the example I just gave with my daughter, if everyone in the choir understood this, we would have less troubles with coming for rehearsals. We have less offense in the music ministry. If everybody recognized, listen, we are appointed unto this thing. It's a divine privilege to lead worship. Praise God. Do you know that God trusted the worshippers so much that in Second Chronicles chapter 20, when Israel was about to go to battle, God was so confident those guys are going to be so ready. And he says, put the praise singers first. And I'm wondering if it was to be the choir of our days now. We say, put the praise singer first. And we're going to battle. And they say, who is going to lead praises? Oh, sister, praise is going to lead praises. Ah, no, she can't lead. She doesn't have tenor. She didn't come for Riazza last week. And you know what? We are going to spend all the time trying to settle the choir to finally get to sing. And before you know, we're all dead. So when you realize us, no. I was the one that played drum. Say, no, I played on Tuesday. We, you, you, know, you know how many fires we put off in our choir rehearsals every day before we get to sing? And the Bible says when they were about to dedicate the temple of Solomon, as the praise singers were singing, it says the glory of the Lord was so strong that the priest could not even minister. Has your choir ever stopped you from ministering because of the glory? Or rather they stop you because of the offense? Like you get on and discover that, wow. Let's sing another one. Say, I know this one you have. Sing this one for me. Sing. You, you are trying to. When Elijah was finding it difficult to connect to God, although it was in the Old Testament, he says, give me a minstrel. And they brought the minstrel. The Bible says, as the minstrel began to pray, play, Elijah began to prophesy. When demons were in the life of Saul, he said, get someone who can play. And we know that just as the, the minister of the gospel can, can, can cast out devils, he says, when he plays, he says, the demon will leave him. David played a demon out of an individual. It's amazing sometimes how we sing demons in. Why? Because when David, I don't know why I'm going here, but I, just, I think this is a word of knowledge to someone. Because when David heard that instrument, he knew that I was not just a harpist. I was a minister sent to save the king's life from demonic oppression. He rehearsed with that mindset. He practiced with that mindset. He was going to play for the king. You know why? In those days, the kings, even though they were kings of God, they could issue a decree and your whole generation is wiped out. So even though whether it was God sending you or not, the fact that you were doing it for the king, you had to be at your best. How much more if we're called to serve the king of kings and the lord of lords? How we trivialize our ministry. You know, the Lord began to... To adjust my mind about that. 
Even though we want to be simple, we cannot just dress as if we are people without a mission. Are you following what I'm saying? We cannot just appear casually. Say, I, I want to be simple. No, there's, there's a difference between simplicity and stupidity. And not recognizing that you are representing the king. Now some people take it to the extreme. But why did, Fer- why did Joseph shave his beard when he was coming to see the king of Egypt? He understood the, the palace protocols. Even though we know some people get dressed and say, Oh, ministry is not about dressing. At the same time, ministry is not about being nonchalant. And appearing as if you don't have a business there. This thing must take over our life. Are you following what I'm saying now? Kenneth Copeland said, The minister must pursue excellence in all things. Not just spiritual, not just physical. You know, there are some people who are big on physical excellence. They want the lights on. They've got the right shoes. They've got the right tie. Then their spiritual life, no substance. That's wrong. There are some people, they've got the substance. Right? They've got the word. The mics are bad. The sound is bad. No. We can't be on this side or we're on this side. We've got to have a balance. We have the right word. We have the right sound system. We are dressing properly. Why? Because we're representing the king. We carry a message of life. Are are you following this? It rubs off on our... You see, as we begin to study, it rubs off on us. When dad was teaching in church, (laughs) one of our guys came to me and said, Man... This your father must be studying. It shows excellence, faithfulness. You don't just get on the pulpit and say, you know what? God is going to bless you. In January, he will bless you. In February, he will bless you. I say in March, he will bless you. April, you are blessed. June, you could have just said God will bless you in the 12 months of the year. He could have covered everything and saved people time. Excellence in everything. But excellence starts from a conviction that this thing is important. That this call is valuable. I realize this. Even though they say everybody is a pastor now, not everybody is chosen. So the question is, were you chosen? You remember in those days, when we used to play football in the fields, they'll choose sides, right? Come on now. They'll choose sides. They say, hey, you come be on my side. You go be on your side. You go be. They'll choose um, 11 people. Alright? Whatever. Or five aside. They'll choose five. But you know that even those who were not chosen, they still play football. You know what I When they have chosen the main guys who are going to play, and they are playing on the field, then people start looking for whatever to play. Mango, seed, football. If you look at the whole field, everybody's playing football. As far as you are on that field, you will see somebody who just say, I have ball. Do you have legs? Yeah, okay, let's play. But but the truth of the matter is that even though there are 50 people on that big field playing, only 22 are chosen. It's the same thing with ministry. There are churches everywhere. Everybody's preaching on Facebook. Everybody's an apostle. But listen to what Paul says. He says, I'm an apostle after the will of God. By the will of God. He says, not by the will of man. That means you cannot be, be an apostle by the will of man. What am I trying to say? Except you are not chosen. If you are chosen, you take this job seriously. 
It doesn't matter who is paying you, who is not paying you, what you're getting, what you're not getting. Your first and primary responsibility is to the one who chose you and appointed you on behalf of himself. Macaquin says when he got into ministry, his father told him, he says, you have to trust God to meet your needs. He says, God called you and I'm not him. You know what I was trying to say? Say, listen boy, if you say you are called, the one who calls you will sort you out. But you recognize something, I'm not the one. Why did he tell him that? We have to be sure if we're sent on this thing. Praise God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you there in Luke chapter what 10? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 10. Now it happened, as they went, that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she also heard a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet. And heard his word. Who? <laughs> this is this is interesting. He says he also heard his word. Remember, it was matter that even went to welcome Jesus. Let's read it. Luke ten now, verse 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 what now? Verse forty. But matter was distracted with much serving. Like my dad would say, underline that on your Bible. Underline that word. Underline that word. Underline that word. Underline that word. It says, but matter was distracted. With much serving. Listen guys, this is what I'm going to build on. And if that gives me the privilege to preach, preach again on this, I'm going to continue on, on, on the subject of faithfulness and fruitfulness in ministry. She was not distracted by sin. She was not distracted because she was committing adultery. She was not distracted because she was... She was distracted by a good thing, by serving. And said, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Pay attention, pay attention. Look at this. She accuses the Lord. No, no. Stay on that verse, thank you. She accuses the Lord of not caring. She accuses the Lord of not caring. It's almost like saying you are there preaching. And here am I trying to serve you. Don't you care that my sister has left me? Where is this, where is this frustration coming from? Where is this frustration coming from? Look at this. Where is this frustration coming from? Distraction. When do we start getting frustrated in ministry? When we start getting distracted. 
by good things. Because I'm going to show you something now. Because let me just say this quickly in case I don't say that and I forget. If we don't sit at the feet of Jesus, ministry will weary us out. You know what the prophet told God? He says, take my life. I'm not better than my father's. That's what Moses said. This was a man that was pleading to God on behalf of the children of Israel. Ministry will discourage you. You see, and like dad was teaching in, in, in church, ministry will discourage you to the point where the things you thought you would not be able to do, the words you thought you would not be able to say, you will, you will, you will get into bitterness. You will get into offense. That's why you find that certain pastors who have served in certain churches, when they start talking to you about those churches, you will be so amazed. In fact, you know what? I've stopped listening to anybody who leaves a church and talks about that church. You know why? They will never say the good things. Do we, I mean, is everything good in our churches? Absolutely no. But I realize that no offended person always says the right story. No offended person. You, you, you can't get it. That's why all these pastors say, Oh, I used to work with this big church until I left. You don't know how they punish people there. It's a lie. They won't tell you all the story. You know why? Because I've had people who've left my church also and they didn't say the right story of everything we did for them. But how we ministers get to that point of discouragement and start cursing the people that God even sent them to lead. Losing the compassion that they should have as fathers. When the distraction of service comes. Matter was distracted with much serving. See, increase was coming, but in the area of serving. Much serving. A lot of service. Busy. Oh, Jesus, come. Oh, you know those kind of people? Praise God. Are you still here? Talk to me now. Are you still here? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So while she was even serving, she was thinking, Mary could have been here to help me. Mary could have been here to help me. Ah, there's nobody here to help me. There's nobody here to help me. You know, the Lord impressed in my heart. He said, every time you're getting discouraged about the assignment, you're leaving the silent place of sitting at my feet. Something is happening. Something is happening. Something is happening. You were excited when you started the church with two people. When the two people came, you were so excited. Now they are even 25. And because two did not come, you're angry. Something is happening. Your focus is beginning to, it's like, Lord, why am I here to serve alone? That's why, and I want to say this to you, every minister, you know, the things I'm teaching you in terms of ministry are not just things that, these are things that by the Spirit of God, God has revealed to me. And I'm practicalizing them in my life. I was, I was talking to dad. And I said, next year, we're going to take one month off, completely off ministry, just to rest and to refresh and to stay before the Lord. And I want to, I want to admonish you. Sometimes take a weekend off. Get someone, say, hey, just preach for me. What are you going to do in that weekend? Just sit consciously at the feet of Jesus. Let his presence pour waters into your soul. Be refreshed. Some of us don't even have motivation for ministry anymore. It's routine. It's routine. It's routine. The people that should bring us joy, when we see them, we get angry. Ah, where are they? Workers in this church. Where are the workers? Somebody will 
call him say, walk, I will not come and walk. What kind of walking? And you realize that a service that's supposed to bring healing and bring refreshing to people. There's quarrel going on there. Somebody's fighting there. They are calling. Where you day? Where? Where? Is this how to start church? Nonsense. And you, the whole place, the whole atmosphere. And you know, sometimes we're not so refreshed in our spirit to discern that these things are just distractions to the assignments of the Father. And the enemy knows how to get a grip on your soul. Immediately you're getting excited. One person gets offended and leaves the church. And because of that, you punish the other people for the rest 10 months. But you know what is happening to you? You're getting distracted. How many of you know that Judas did not pull Jesus away from the ministry? Let's think of that. How many of you think you can handle Judas in your ministry? Let's think of that. Your accountant. You know, anybody you give to hold the money is the person you trust the most. That's the... Pre- Listen, you see, sometimes we haven't, we haven't taken time to look at this Ju- Judas scenario. And I'm going to deal with it if I have the privilege to still teach in this conference. Do you know why Jesus went to Gethsemane to pray? We're going to do it. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews that with loud crying and tears. He had to pray, you see, because... You can't handle betrayal without prayers. You will become, listen, if you, if someone betrays you and you don't pray enough for you to pass that process with love, you will become bitter for the rest of your life and you corrupt the muddy, you corrupt the, the stream of waters that flow from you and forever in your life, your ministry will never be the same. You'll be a bitter pastor. Offended pastor. Yeah, I'm telling you, we'll, we'll get there. The Lord helps us. It says, you have left my sister to serve me, to serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. So, Martha comes and instructs the Lord on what he should say. How many of you realize that instead of going before the Father to pray what he wants for us, what's happening? We're going to tell him what he should do for us. Lord, give us more people. Lord, don't you care that there are only 20 people in my church? Don't you care? Send 100. Send 1,000. Lord, open the door to Europe. We want to go to Germany. Lord, open international doors. Lord, we need more money. Instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus and the Lord telling you what you need, you start telling him, give me this. I think I need this. What, 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 what is shaping Mary's, a mother's vision? Now, what's shaping mother's vision? The distraction. So, because of the distraction, matter is seeing a need that does not even exist. So, her prayer request is for God to do what? To meet those needs. Because this need of Mary helping her is because she was busy serving. Which she should not be doing in the first place. How many of us have created programs we should not be involved in? 
And you know why? We're busy. We're busy with the latest church growth book. We're busy copying this and copying that and copying this and copying that. And before you know, our ministry is crowded with activities. And then we need help. We need more workers. We need more finances. We need more stuff. There's a principle that taught many years ago, and I've never forgotten it. Even though we would stretch in faith, ministry is not supposed to produce sweat. It says the garment of the priests is not sweat. Whether you're doing a building project, if you're getting, if the sweat is getting too much, slow down. Slow down. Just slow down. And say, hey Lord, where am I missing it? Because there's something about faith and there's something about rest. I remember a couple of years back, I was supposed to go to Uganda for an NGO walk. And they denied me the visa. Ah, oh, man, I almost cried. I almost, I, not that I almost cried. I think I cried. Ah, Uganda. They didn't give me the visa. You know, Kings the Bangwell then, my mentor in the NGO world, he told me something. He said, if, you, if they didn't give you, it means you're not qualified. He said, go and qualify yourself. He said, you'll be tired of traveling. In fact, I remember one time I was to go to Egypt to present a paper. I had written to the people that I want to come and present the paper. And they said, oh, I can come if I'll pay my fare. I was looking for money to pay the fare. And I told him. And he said to me, he said, if you are still paying your fare to go and do that, it means you are not ready to be heard. He said, work on yourself. The day will come. They'll pay your fare to come and speak. I felt the man was wicked. How can he tell me that? He's been traveling everywhere. This is my only opportunity to travel. But you know what I realized? He was indirectly teaching me this scripture. Preoccupied with much serving, but living the needful thing. I can't remember how many times I've gone to Uganda again. I literally can't remember. Maybe eight times, maybe six times. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Even if I want to go anywhere to preach right now, it's easier for me to just open my account, buy the ticket, and go preach. Of course, I still pay my way to a lot of countries, but it's not a prayer point. You know why? Because that season has come, and the Lord has supernaturally opened the doors. When a man is distracted by much serving, one of the signs is impatience. Martha was impatient with the Lord. He could not wait. And what do you realize? We are in a hurry. We can't wait. I was discussing with someone, and I was talking, to, you know, I was talking to us about a lot of things in ministry. <laughs> and I looked at him and I laughed and I said, "Listen." Even though I started pastoring just a couple of years back, but you don't, don't forget that I've been involved in ministry as a child almost all my life. Right. When dad came for the Grace Congress, my wife was at the registration table. She was the one registering people for the first day. The second day, it was Carrie's registering people, my son. He's 10. He was the one registering. He did the registration for the three days of the conference. You know what? He's already serving in the ministry. He's already serving in the ministry. And those things count 
faithfulness. And tomorrow probably, if the Lord wants him to be in the ministry, whatever the Lord wants him to do, and you still you start seeing some results in his life, ah, this one that just started, no, no, that's the mistake. He did not just start. Probably why your own kid was going to buy Beloxi biscuits and running around. The guy was already registering people. He's already putting in his years and counting in and staying faithful to the assignments. Are you following what I'm saying? Listen, listen to me carefully. Today, don't ever forget this. God is a just God. He is not, he is not a wicked judge. God is fair. There's nothing that belongs to you that is rightfully yours that God will withhold from you. God is not partial. He's not a respecter of persons. If you do the right thing, he told, he told, um, what's this boy's name that killed his brother now? Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. I don't remember names of murderers. Cain killed Abel. What happened? He says, sin lies at your door. He says, but if you do, no, before he said that to him, he says, if you do right, will your offering not be accepted? If you do right. Why don't you ask yourself, what makes this man grow? Why are things happening to him this way? If you do right. Look at, look at Cornelius. He told, he told Peter, he says, the angel spoke to Cornelius. He says, listen, he says, your prayers and your arms given has come unto me as a memorial. He says, send for Peter. And the Bible says, while Peter was yet speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. God was taking records of the faithfulness of a man who did not even know him. God is just. This thing is not, let's stop making it look like, oh, it's because you are privileged. It's because of this. It's not because of anything. It's because of his mercy and our faithfulness. And once you start being faithful, you stop looking at what is happening in other people's life and ministry. You start getting focused on your assignments. Because there is enough in our calling to occupy us. Are you following what I'm saying? I was with, uh, the last time we were having Timothy conference. I was with, I was in, uh, Pastor's, Pastor's church in Ugeli. And we, we went to see one of my friends there. I don't want to mention his name because of, we went to see one of my friends there. A young man like us. And I realized he had a Bible school, Pastor. He had a Bible school with over 40 students. I said, how? How do you have a Bible school? He said, well, I just decided to start one. I mean, this is a guy that, you, you get what I'm saying? And then I said, but how, did, how is it that these people come in the morning? He says, if they are ready to learn, they will come. In Ukele there, he's got a Bible school. Do you know what? By the time this guy preached on a Sunday morning, goes to teach his Bible school on, on Monday, Tuesday, goes for a Bible study on, on Wednesday, he's preparing for Sunday, he will not know what is going on in your life. The reason you know what is going on in other people's life and ministry is because you are not busy. Ah, look at the program this guy is holding. Look at the team. What kind of team is that? You are not busy. You are distracted. None of us is sent as a referee of other people's ministry. You were chosen for an assignment. 
Hey, I don't think you should do it like this. I don't think you should do it like this. Don't think. Just do your job. Because you will be accountable. Do you realize that God never asked the man who had ten? He did not request that man's stewardship from the man who had five. When he came, he says, how many did I give you? He says, ten. Give me the account of ten. Some of you are giving five. And you're angry with people who are giving ten. You know the problem? God is not going to ask you about ten. He would ask you about five. He will ask them for ten. Are you following what I'm saying? Even if God has given you one, if you like, set the goal of ten. It's one he will ask you for. The remaining nine is between you and your time and your foolishness. God will not require from you an assignment he has not given to you. Even though you are so diligent. Imagine this morning, we're coming all the way from Podakot. And then I, I just decided that, oh, I think my dad is tired. And then he wanted me to preach. I said, oh man, dad is tired. Let me quickly go to the, to the room and dress his room and, and put perfume and make sure he sleeps properly on the generator. Even though he will appreciate me. But he will say, go away from me, you lawless one. What does lawlessness mean? You didn't keep according to what? The law. It means that even though that's a good thing, that is not what I want you to do. What I wanted you to do is to preach this morning. That would have given me more satisfaction than trying to make sure I sleep well. Ministry is not trying to please God. Ministry is focusing on your appointment. What that means, if this is what God has called me to, I stay faithful to it because I am a servant. He says, he says, when you come and your servant has done this and this, he says he will meet you and say, I am an unprofitable servant. What else do you want me to do? I believe that a shift is coming into our ministry in the name of Jesus. I said, I believe a massive shift is coming into our ministry in the name of Jesus. We're going to be more productive with our assignment. He will require it from you. Praise God. Let's, let's go so that we can wrap this up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look at this. And Jesus answered and said to him, to her, verse 41, matter, matter. You are worried. And troubled about many things. Do you have the amplified version? Amplified? You are worried. It says you are anxious and troubled about many things. Message translation. You are anxious, worried. Look it, look at it. Matter, dear matter. You are fusing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. High blood pressure rising. Over, and, and Jesus says, over nothing. Do you know why Jesus calls it nothing? That thing you're fusing about is not part of what I've called you for. Can I tell you something? How many of you know that the care of this ministry is supposed to be on God? You know what I told God? One of these days I was just praying. I said, Lord, I'll stay faithful to what you have called me to. If you open the doors, I will go. If you don't open the doors, I'll stay. You see, you come to a point when nothing defines your success anymore. 
except what God wants you to do. You know, a friend of mine was telling me the other day, he says, ah, you travel a lot. Why don't you go to Europe? You know, you know, go to Europe. Europe needs the gospel. Do you know that until he said that to me, it never crossed my mind that I can actually go to Europe to preach. It, it really didn't cross my mind. Not because, really my heart is in Africa. I mean, I'm trusting God for African nations. But you know, it never really crossed my mind that Europe was part of where you should be praying to go to. And of course, you know why sometimes we like the Europe? Come on, you know. And I know. By the time they give you 100 pounds, 100 dollars, that's, that's 36k. Then you sell some books quickly. Price the books higher before you come back. 500k. You wonder why our lives and our Christianity are not producing results. Because even as pastors, we are competing with the wealthy people in our churches. Have you heard the pastor say, how can you be riding that car? And your pastor is riding Camry. As a high priest. Do you know what? I want to tell you this, and I'll tell you from my heart. Be comfortable with the fact that there will be people sitting, listening to you every single day who will be richer than you and your generation forever. Be comfortable. You are not a minister of wealth. You are a minister of the new covenant. You are a Bible teacher. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let all this unnecessary anxiety. I want to be the richest man in my church. I, you know, a liberal must first be a partaker of the... See, guy, calm down. We are not in a race of who we appear in the Forbes list of rich people. See, will the Lord prosper you? He will prosper you. One thing I know about God, He will richly supply all our needs. And what that means is, if that need is one million, He will get it to you. If that need is six million, He will get it to you. A pastor in Ugoton Church just told us about the land they bought. If maybe three years back, down the line, you had said this church at this stage was going to buy land, would have said no. You see, one thing I've said, I've told myself, I mean, I'm reducing my goals in ministry. You know what my goal is right now? To sit at the feet of Jesus. Because I discovered that some of us have set goals for ourselves and those goals have become distractions. We are now serving the goals. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We are now serving the goals. Look at the next line. And the next line. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Next line. But one thing is needed. One thing only is essential. Give, give that to me. Give that to me. I like that. One thing is essential. The message translation. One thing. One thing. Not many things. Pastor, your ministry is not branding. One thing is needful. And I'll show you how that works. You know, what I, you know what I realize? As we begin to sit at the feet of Jesus, the things we need, he will bring them. Oh, you, oh, you, he will, he will. As you sit at his feet, you just realize, ah, we need somebody to handle the social media. You just realize that God will just bring one man whose, whose own ministry is social media. You just say, pastor, I don't know how to preach. My own is Facebook. He will take that burden off you. And you know what? He will not do it like he's doing you a favor. 
he will see it as an assignment. One of the prayers I'm beginning to pray right now is, Lord, don't bring people into my life and ministry. We'll deal with this. We'll continue with this. Please, I want you to be in all the sessions as the Lord helps us. But I'll just say this quickly. You know, Jesus never picked his disciples until he had prayed all night. Talk about that as we build. I've said, listen, let's not judge by our eyes. Let's allow the Lord to bring people that would serve us. I know what the Lord spoke to me early days. I wanted to get into ministry. When he says, serve your dad. Be his administrator. Even though probably my dad would do things that would offend me that I would not be happy about. Do you know what? Why? You know I never left? You know I never left? Or you think I don't, I can't leave? You know why I never left? The conviction of the call. So even though the man, I'm not saying this, that that's what he does. This is just an example because people listen to things sometimes upside down. Even though the man does things that offend me, I will be able to still walk in love because I know that God sent me here. And that's why David could not kill Saul. He knew that part of his mission in life was not to kill Saul. He says, God forbid that I touch the Lord's anointed. Why did he say that? Because listen, the man was anointed when they brought you to play for him. You know all this one, we do something, we run. I'm not saving again. I'm tired of this church. I'm tired of this. They were not brought. They were not sent. Sometimes we're working on that ticket and we buy the ticket. And say, oh, right so, And I, sometimes I feel unworthy for him thanking me. It's like saying, well, it's my job. This is my assignment. I'm supposed to make sure this thing gets done. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Even though he's appreciative, whether he's appreciative or not, absolutely. Listen, and you know what? As I stay faithful to that assignment, I find out right now, God is beginning to use people to buy my tickets. Just honor. Just reward. Why? My focus is not my ticket. My focus is his. That's just an example. The Lord is giving me the privilege to pastor two churches. We're growing. Grace is coming. But I stay faithful to the assignment. You know why we are easily offended? We have people around us that were not sent to help us. So we are forcing them. What gift do you have? Say, I can sing. Say, come. Don't, don't use it for the devil. Don't use it for the devil. Use it for Jesus. Get in the choir. And even though the man is singing, his mind is still Bob Marley. Ah, if I was singing in the club now, I would, and then you're struggling to keep that guy. Unlike a man who comes broken and says, Pastor, the Lord has sent me to serve you through singing. A top minister in this country said something about Nathaniel Bassi. I don't want to mention his name. He said one day he invited Nathaniel Bassi and said, I need you to come and play in this time for my program. He says, no. He says, my father, Padeboye will be having a program. I'll be going there. Padeboye did not invite him. He's going there. He's going to play. He's paying his own fare. He said, but this also and so day, my father is having a program. You will wonder when he sings his songs. His name is everywhere. Sometimes, I'm sure you would have asked yourself, what exactly is in this song? And yet you have young men with album. The, 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 the Ghana must go off of the album they produce. It's in their house. At the end, they say, just take it. Anything you have, you can bring. 
That's when you realize that, the, that Solomon says the race is not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. We talk about Sinash today all over the world. She had served in almost every department in Christ's embassy. She served in tapes department. She served in ushering. She served as a cell leader. Consistent with the man. She did not know she would be where she is today. But no, for us, no. It's only Rehazas. Why should we clean church? Why should we clean the chairs? Why should we sell tapes? Why should we cancel a program we have? Because there's a program in church when there's an open door. And some of us get into those open door and we run into the forest. That's the first and the last open door. Have we not learned that no man can receive anything except it be given to him from above? Praise God. Are you still here? One thing only is essential. And Mary has chosen it. It means Mary used her will to choose it. That's where I'm going. You have to choose this above distraction. It's the act of your will. Are you still here? It's the act of your will. It is the main cause. And it won't be taken away from her. And what was that? Sitting at the feet of Jesus to hear his word. Can I tell you something today, saints of God? How can we be ministers for God if we don't hear from him? How can we be sent on his behalf if he has not told us what to say? One thing is needful. We're going to build on this as we progress. The apostle says, we will not be consumed with serving of tables, but we'll give ourselves to ministry of the word and prayer. See, almost every pastor now is a life coach. Motivational speaker, administrator, packaging. There's lights everywhere. Camera, ushers. I went to a church. I was almost embarrassed. I'm sorry if, if you do that in your church here, but it's okay. I was almost embarrassed. I was going to preach. You just invited me. And I saw these beautiful ladies just come out with flowers on the ground. Just flowers on the ground. Camera guy was in front. I was, I was embarrassed. His excellence. If someone is so short, they can't be ushers in your church. Because now you need tall, slim, beautiful girls. Everywhere. Let's show them. You know when people are coming, they need to see nice people. Protocol officers, everybody with suit and tie, both tie, everywhere. Departments everywhere, head of department, director of this, directorate of, 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 um, of, <laughs> directorate of, of, whatever. Kitchen department, coffee table. Everything is ready. But the last time we saw somebody literally healed in the church was 10 years ago. 
You are okay with burial. Even our burial is well packaged. Now they can throw the coffin and dance around it. We, 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 we don't care. We just want excellence. You have to wear this suit. You have to do this. Get Instagram page running. Do the short video. Everybody's doing live broadcast. Let's get there. Yet, looks like things are missing. Deep within our soul, we know we're ministering from a void because we haven't sat at the feet of Jesus. See, these people are not giving. They are not giving. Let's teach a strategic message on the power of the seed. And then you get into manipulation from the pulpit because you want to generate a response that should come from the exaltation of Christ. Every day in my heart, I keep praying right now, like, Father, keep me humble. Stay at your feet. Can I tell you the honest truth? I can say there are many pastors who have not studied properly since this year started. They haven't studied any new thing. It's like, when is Bible study? Say, say, you see. Oh, when, when again, say this, oh, give me, give me 10 minutes, give me 10 minutes, give me 10 minutes, give me 10 minutes, give me 10 minutes. And Jesus said, you will cross over. To this crossover. And then we start lying. So I was preparing. Spirit of God, you'll minister to me. That is our season of crossover. Right? And then you say, it's our season of crossover. And before you know, you start giving prophecies that were not originated by the Father. When last did you speak a word and God said, I will make sure his word does not fall to the ground. Was that not what was said about the prophets? He says, and none of his words, none of his words fell to the ground. None of his words fell to the ground. You know what? I want, I want you to take a challenge. We can't minister for a God we don't hear from. That's the problem. The one thing you need in ministry, listen to me, sir, is not more money. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. Is to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. The one thing we need is no more open doors. Is to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear his word. I was praying a few days ago and I told dad about it. I was praying a few days ago and the Lord put it in my heart. He says, I'm going to open doors for you. And you're going to move from the known to the unknown. And I was wondering about that. How do you move from the known to the unknown? You also move from the unknown to the known. And the Lord put it in my heart. He says, you've been preaching for people you know a lot. He says, but you're entering into a season in your life where people are going to invite you because they heard your message and there are people you don't know. And the pastor invites me in Lagos. And he says, well, we have this camp meeting. We expect about a thousand young people from universities around the Midwest. So I heard you preach. I heard your message and I've been listening, following your message for a year on your website. And I want you to come preach. We're going to get your ticket, get Lagos and come back and minister to my people for two sessions. And I remember that phrase. I'm going to move you from the known to the unknown. Where did I hear that word? At the feet of Jesus. And I didn't go to his feet to pray about ministry. That's another thing. That's another thing we're going to deal with in our next sessions. He went there to hear his words. He didn't go and say, oh God, open the door. Oh, open the door. No, what Mary did, literally, 
was to just sit at the feet of Jesus and allow the Father just speak to him. Speak to her. What does that mean? That we take our time to just open the scriptures and allow God to speak to us. And Jesus says, this one thing is what you need. Listen, you don't need new instruments in your church. No, that's not what you need. Because you know what? I heard Pastor Wally Fesso share this testimony live on TV. He says, a man, a politician in Bayelsa had bought a generator for you, you, you heard that testimony. Had bought a generator for, for his own house. He said he was driving past. He says, and God told the man, stop here. Give this church the generator. Of course, you know a generator that a politician buy is not 5 kVA. You, you, you know what I'm saying. If you are Nigerian, you understand. He says, give it to him. Do you know what? Do you think that God only speaks to people who are born again? No. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. But God can talk to anybody because they are His creation. Dad has explained that to us. His father, but His creator to everybody, but His father to His sons. Listen. An unbeliever called Cyrus can build the temple. This does not mean you run after politicians. But as we sit at the feet of Jesus, even that which we think we need, he has told us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 that we should seek his kingdom first and everything will come. What is the kingdom? The words of the Father. I know my resolve going forward in my life and ministry. Father, I don't want anything except what you want for me. I don't want to preach anywhere except the doors you're opening. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to spend my energy looking around for open doors. That's what makes us get into fellowship and associations that we shouldn't get into in the first place. I'm not going to see how to be the best bookseller in the country. No, I'm just going to sit at the feet of Jesus. I'll be your servant. Whatever you think is fit for me, let it be. Dad shared the testimony while we were talking on TV. You, you get to watch the series. How did you go to Germany for the first time? Some a lady, Sister Gary, reading our outlines. Chaswella was led by the Lord to put it on the website then when, when internet just came. Sister Gary looked at it and says, hey, I want you to come to Germany. I don't have a church, but I have a house fellowship. We will pay your ticket. Come speak to us. How does somebody pay your ticket to go and preach in a house fellowship? Two, two years ago, dad met a sister in, uh, in the U.S. Um, and after meeting, he says, I think you need to rest. I think you need a vacation. I'm going to, was it Germany again? Yeah, I think it was Germany. I'm going to get a place for you in Germany. We'll get the ticket. You just go and rest for one week. Send hotel, send the air tickets. And yet you have a pastor in the pulpit crying every day. How can I be laboring over you people? Hotel of 3,000. You people cannot say, let somebody just rest his head and calm down. There's no way you people can be blessed. You cannot be blessed until you do something to the prophet. So God will not do something to you. You are tired. You are tired. Go sit at the feet of Jesus. Knowing that he knows where to reward you. 
Listen to me, ministers of the gospel. Don't try to get your reward before it is due. Allow God to sort you out. If God sorts you out, you will walk into those doors with honor. You will walk into those doors with respect. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How did we get on TV? Last testimony. How did we get on TV? I'd invited precious. I said, oh, come, let's do five minutes. Videos, I'll put them on YouTube. I was going to the gym. And on my way back, I wanted to pick him. I met a brother. He says, hey, where are you going? I said, I want to pick my brother. I want to do some short five minutes um, videos on YouTube. He says, have you thought about going to television? I said, I've been thinking about it all my life. What do you need? He says, do you have the amount? <laughs> Why not? The amount? I am the amount. This, 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 this. Because I've made my inquiries before. And he said, okay, let's go on there. We're going to pay. For three times a week. And I was talking to a brother, sharing the testimony out of joy. Oh, this brother says, um, I didn't mention the name, but I said, oh, someone is paying for us to go on TV three times a week, and it's a blessing. He said, why don't we make it daily? I said, well, it's because of the funds. He said, okay, well, we're going to add to whatever that brother is going to give, and we're going to go on daily television. Let's go on daily television. We're negotiating a new TV contract now. A family walked up to me and said, hey, we just want to be part of this TV. Just look for any other TV station we can get into. We just want this thing to expand. Do you know what I realized? The moment the Lord started teaching me about this, and I started obeying it, even the things I used to pray about are now beginning to come in their own accord. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, it says then you will bear much fruit. Sitting at the feet of Jesus to learn. You are getting too busy. When last did you study? When last did you spend just two hours before the Lord? Not pr- you are not praying for power. You are not praying for, you are just at his feet and say, Lord, teach me. Teach me. Teach me. What I'm teaching you today came from that point. As I began to sit at the feet of Jesus, the Lord opened this scripture to me. And says, if ministers will obey this scripture, they'll be amazed at what will happen in their life and ministry. Always watch for distraction. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7111.